Legacy Podcasts present Torque, a novel by Ty Drago, performed for you by the author, and featuring music by Nicholas Allen Nelson. The 49th Cog. Ainsley was flying. She couldn't quite believe it. The walls of the drop whipped past her, faster now that she was going up than they had been going down. Her heart, which had been hammering during her fall, was now racing, and not just from the exhilaration of flight. She'd kissed Torque. The two of them didn't speak, not even when the world opened briefly and they passed the middle market. Not even as the pinprick of blue sky returned, growing into a peephole, then a window, and relief blossomed inside Ainsley like a drowning person's first new breath of air. But that relief vanished when she spotted something between them and the open sky. Something big. Something with wings. Torque, she said warningly. I see it. It didn't occur to her until later that she'd called him Torque and not Rand. I don't even know what that's supposed to be, he said as they rushed up toward the last Vindicator. What's a wyvern? It's kind of a dragon, Ainsley replied. Oh, a pause. What's a dragon? A mythical monster. Something from fantasy books. Big and scary and fire-breathing. But they aren't real. I don't think so, Ainsley replied. They're just in stories, and in the night sky. And then again, so are you. I can, he muttered. As they drew closer, Ainsley realized that the Vindicator actually hovered a few hundred feet down inside the drop, its great wings cross-beating to keep it more or less in place. Its triangular head kept darting forward and back, its tooth-filled mouth snapping at something. Then she realized with horror what that something was. A lift car hugged its girder, slowly descending the drop. Its chains and brass fittings were blackened by fire and most of its windows were cracked. Through the fractured glass, Ainsley spotted the car's occupants. Matron Barrett, clearly burned and injured, was nevertheless the only one standing. She glared defiantly out at the Vindicator, as if convinced she could keep the monster at bay by giant faith alone. Her acolytes had retreated against the rear wall, eyes closed and heads covered. Lucy and the boys were crouched and huddled together, with the lower girl doing her best to shield them from harm. Torque said, Hold on to me tight. Don't let go no matter what happens. Ainsley did as he asked, firming up her grip around his neck and wrapping both her legs around one of his. The embrace was awkward and would have scandalized her father. But Ainsley was way past all that now. Besides, it didn't feel completely unpleasant. Torque let go of her with one hand, keeping his other firmly locked around her waist, and raised his pipe. They hit Wyvern with the speed and force of a bullet. Ainsley guessed that, if not for her, Torque might have rammed the monster directly. As it was, he merely rushed up past it, swinging his pipe and delivering a blow with so much power behind it that the Vindicator was sent crashing against the drop side wall. Nearby, the lift car bounced dangerously on its chains, making Ainsley's heart leap into her throat. But then, its solid engineering taking hold, it steadied and continued its slow descent. She caught a glimpse of Lucy's pale face peering out at them. For a split second, their eyes met. There seemed to be a lot in the lower girl's gaze. Then Ainsley and Torque exploded out of the drop and into the open sky above the lift platform. With a cry of outrage, Wyvern righted itself and pursued them, its wings hammering the air. It's chasing us, Ainsley exclaimed. Torque said, good. Maybe not the word she'd have chosen. Below them, the market plaza was mostly deserted, making it easy to spot Baird and Gammon. The two most hated people in Ainsley's life stood with their keeper retinue all of them covered in grease. Seeing them, Gammon pointed and shouted, There! I told you! 
Baird replied, but the distance was too great for Ainsley to hear it. The commandant turned away from them. No, not this time. He's mine. Let me demonstrate something about this vindicator that even you don't know. Then, marching across the empty plaza, he called out, Wyvern, to me! To Ainsley's surprise, the vindicator, which had been chasing them heatedly, now veered off, swooping down toward where its master waited. Baird and the keepers watched in nervous silence. Torque continued upward until the entire top of the machine spread out dizzyingly below them. Then, without a word, he circled back and landed on a rooftop overlooking the far side of the drop. Together they watched as Wyvern reached the waiting commandant. Ainsley had expected the monster to land and present itself obediently for its master's command, but it didn't. Instead, its great mouth opened in flight, as if it meant to swallow the man whole. Gammon, meanwhile, turned his back and spread his arms, as if inviting consumption. And a moment later, he was consumed. Ainsley gasped. Torque offered no reaction. Wyvern scooped up Gammon and closed his jaws again before turning once more upward. Its fiery gaze scanned the skies and, spotting them on the rooftop, hurtled itself in their direction. It ate him, Ainsley said. Don't think so, Torque replied. Stay here, I'll be back for you. Listen, what I told you down there, it was just something I needed to say. I know you and Lucy. It's solid, he said with a smile. He turned away again, ready to launch himself. Wait! What? Um, she stammered. Be careful? He grinned. Good thinking. I'll do that. Then he dove off the roof. The champion and the monster met in the air, facing off like soldiers on a battlefield. For a few moments they hovered, sizing each other up. Torque said nothing. But to Ainsley's astonishment, Wyvern did. I'm finally going to kill you, Balsrat. Gammon's voice, no doubt about it, but amplified, as if by a speaker's box. Torque took both the speaker and threat in stride. He yelled back, You're going to try. Wyvern made a weird choking sound as puffs of steam escaped its nostrils. Was it laughing? Unlike the first two, this Vindicator is all the more effective with a pilot. So Henry Gammon was in there, not consumed, but incorporated. An inventive image flashed through Ainsley's mind of a small one-man control room tucked away inside that monstrosity's iron skull. The Commandant had become the Vindicator's brain. Suddenly, Wyvern surged forward, moving faster than ever before. Torque tried to dodge and nearly succeeded, but the monster's horned head slashed sharply sideways and caught his flank, slamming him into the outside wall of the building atop which Ainsley stood. Then it reared back and bathed him in a cataclysmic column of fire, the heat so intense that Ainsley, five stories above, had to turn away. When she looked back, it was with the dread certainty of seeing Torque's burnt and lifeless body tumbling down into the drop. But when the flames cleared, the lowest champion wasn't there, just a broken window. Wyvern, or Gammon, seemed as astonished as she was. For several seconds it stared at the spot where its prey had been, and those several seconds cost it. Torque whipped around from the far side of the building in a golden blur. He hit the Vindicator's flank hard enough for the sound to ring like a bell across the plaza. Laughing, Ainsley watched Wyvern tumble downward, clearly stunned, but it recovered fast, spread its wings, and went after Torque anew. It was incredibly fast, but Torque was faster. He flew down to the left, only to suddenly cut right when the monster lunged at him and hammer the side of Wyvern's head with his pipe. Then he slipped smoothly under its chin and hit it again from the other side. The Vindicator, confused by the speed of the assault, snapped its jaws furiously, missing every time. Finally, its metal skull badly dented, the massive mechanism reeled, its wings struggling to keep it aloft. But then Wyvern got lucky. 
managing to snare Torque between his two front horns. Got you, Gammon roared. The Vindicator dove, hurtling them both high across the plaza and toward a tall structure on its far side. After a moment, Gammon's intentions became clear. He meant to crush his prey against the other building's steel facade. The lower's champion struggled, but the sheer force of Wyvern's motion kept him pinned in place. So instead of trying to go backward, he went up. He pointed his pipe at the monster's skull and fired a blast of steam that shot him, not against the slipstream, but with it, over the top of the Vindicator's skull and past its tapered neck. Wyvern registered Torque's escape when it was already too late to stop or alter its course. With a cry, both human and mechanical, it slammed headfirst into the building, penetrating to almost half its tremendous length. The structure's outer wall groaned as steel plates and girders buckled. It quickly became clear that the Vindicator was trapped, its spiked triangular head having become lodged in the jagged hole it had made. Desperately it squirmed, pushing against the facade with its talons while its wings beat furiously at the air. At last, with a terrible crash, it came free, tumbling backward through the open sky. A moment later, the upper half of the ruined building toppled, raining debris and, Ainsley saw with horror, upper folk, a hundred feet onto the empty plaza. Ainsley wondered if that would come up during the next election cycle. Torque, meanwhile, straddled the monster's segmented neck and began hammering feverishly down at the base of its skull with his pipe. The Vindicator's head whipped, trying to dislodge its unwanted passenger, but Torque held firm. Finally, it stopped struggling and instead flew directly skyward. High over the uppers, it spun and barrel rolled, changing tacks with ferocious, desperate urgency. But nothing worked. Torque just kept hitting it. As if reaching a decision, Wyvern suddenly headed due north, overflying the park and the keep. Ainsley watched them grow smaller in the distance, and an impossible thought struck her. Gammon couldn't be planning to... Wyvern, with the lower's champion still on its back, disappeared over the machine's edge, diving down into the thick cloud layer that hid the nowhere. The 50th Cog Rand was no longer hammering at Wyvern's skull. If Grabber had taught him anything, it was that beating his way through a Vindicator's iron plating was a fool's errand. The metal was just too thick. But if being Torque had taught him anything, it was that metal melted. So instead of hitting the crown of Gammon's final monster, Rand tapped it, drawing on one of his many open mind doors to heat the iron, much the way he'd done with Lucy's, Ainsley's, and later Percy's shackles. When the pipe made contact, the plating glowed red and softened. Then Rand tapped the same spot again, and again, increasing the heat, until that red glow turned orange and the iron began to liquefy. In the meantime, unable to reach Rand either with tooth or claw, Wyvern instead buckled and thrashed wildly, doing everything possible to shake him off. But Rand's armored legs remained locked around the top of the Vindicator's tapering neck, immovable. Apparently, Gammon hadn't learned the lesson from the cathedral. Gold was magnetic, if Torque said it was. Rand's plan was simple, melt through the monster's skull and reach the lead inside. He had no idea how this monster could accept a living operator, but the Vindicator was definitely a lot smarter with Gammon running his actions. So Rand's best strategy lay in getting the crazed Commandant out of there. Unfortunately, it was taking time. However, like his Lucy, Rand was nothing if not persistent. Which is why it wasn't until the surrounding blue sky turned suddenly dark that he looked up from what he was doing. Were they back in the drop? But no, this darkness was different. A strange vapor, thick and moist, had closed around him, not steam. This was cold. Very cold. 
Rand glanced back just in time to see the lip of the machine receding above him. A second later, the vapor closed over his head. He finally kenned. Gammon had taken them off the machine. They were in those clouds. Rand's first instinct was to dump his plan and fly straight back to the machine. The very idea of being surrounded by all this everywhere else scared him stupid. It felt unnatural. Wrong. Except Gammon had probably done this hoping Rand would abandon his attack. Did that mean the Commandant had made this trip before? That he kenned this new world? Unlikely, given his reaction to August Pinkerton's proposal about using the Vindicators to explore what lay beyond the machine. No, this felt more like a desperation move. A madman's last stand. So Rand swallowed his fear and stayed put, continuing to melt away wyvern skull plating until he'd made a glowing orange groove a foot long and nearly elbow deep. Bowels rat! Gammon's voice, coming from the Vindicator's mouth. Can you hear me, boy? Rand ignored it. I'm going to kill you, legend or no. With a hiss, the iron plate directly beneath his pipe melted through. Rand had reached the Vindicator's interior. The gap wasn't much, maybe six inches, but it was definitely a start. I've worked too hard and too long to see my plans wiped away by the likes of you. Wyvern leveled its flight, taking them further from the machine. Rand dared not look around, afraid his nerve, the very thing he'd always relied on, would fail him. The machine needs strong leadership. Freedom is just another word for chaos. Yada yada yada, Rand thought, fighting his growing anxiety. Something flashed through the clouds, an arc of brilliant white light, there and gone in an instant. Gasping, Rand looked around, but there was nothing to see. Then he noticed that his golden armor had become wet. Drops of water flew every which way he moved. Rain? Rand had never experienced rain, but he knew it fell from clouds, and these were definitely clouds. They came another flash, and this time it was followed by a loud, rumbling boom. What the piss was that? Wyvern's been tested, Balsrat. As a flying weapon, I had to know it could function in all weather conditions. Then, with another of those weird mechanical laughs, Gammon added, I wonder if you can. Another flash, then another. Then something hit Rand, hard. It wasn't a physical blow. Instead, the world suddenly lit up with a blinding brightness beyond anything he'd ever imagined, and with it came a shattering, deafening explosion. Sparks lit up Wyvern's armored surface and raced along Rand's limbs. His body went numb, but not grabber venom numb. Worse, whatever this was, it sent him into wild convulsions that made his every hair stand up, even under his armor. As his limbs stiffened, the pipe got jammed up in the hole he'd melted in Wyvern's hammered skull. Then Rand's armored fingers popped rigidly open without his consent. Somehow, the numbness became pain, white-hot and crippling, surging through every inch of his wet, gilded body. As Rand slid helplessly off Wyvern's neck, he heard Gammon roar in triumph, Finally! I finally kill you! He tumbled through the clouds, unable to move, barely able to think. Around him came more flashes and more weird rumbles. He still had no idea where they were, but they deaded him. Then a voice spoke. It was the same voice that had addressed him earlier, the last time Wyvern had gotten the better of him. Lucy, Jad, Ainsley, Gerard, Matron Barrett and her giant lasses. A litany of names. Those are the people you'll fail if you let this monster return to the machine without you. If you let this lunatic win. Then, after a pause, Be Torque. Rand's eyes snapped open. Move, he commanded himself. Nothing. His limbs wouldn't obey. It was like the cables between his brain and body had been cut. Move, you idiot! 
This time his fingers twitched, but that was all. More! A shape erupted through the clouds. Ran glimpsed fiery eyes and open metal jaws an instant before those jaws clamped around his waist. The grip was crushing. His legs were in the monster's mouth, with his upper body dangling helplessly in open air. And while Wyvern couldn't pierce his golden armor, the pressure it exerted while attempting to do so was doing damage. Lots of damage. Rand heard his ribs break. He tasted blood in his mouth and coughed. Fresh pain tore through him. Time to go home, boy. Time to show off my trophy. Rand's upper body was suddenly hammered against something smooth and hard, the agony nearly blinding. Gammon cackled maniacally as his monster slammed Rand again and again until Rand finally kenned exactly what he was being beaten against. The outside wall of the machine. In his mind, one last door popped open, and despite the torture, Rand smiled. Then, with one gilded and bloodied hand, he touched the metal. Reboot, he whispered. The machine poured into him. His pain melted away. So did his paralyzing weakness. He no longer felt Wyvern's crushing pressure. In fact, that pressure seemed like no more than a Ludling's hug. He thought, Jared. Rand's hand seized Wyvern's metallic gums. He pushed upward, straining against the opposing force, gaining ground. Then, once he had room, he got his feet under him and pressed downward. What is this? Gammon had stopped laughing. What are you doing? Inch by inch, foot by foot, Rand spread the monster's jaws wider until the iron hinges connecting them strained noisily. Wyvern roared in protest. Its wings beat furiously and its head shook back and forth, trying to shake Rand out of its mouth. Let go! Rand kept pushing, giving it all he had. Stop it! Wyvern's jaw hinges ripped apart. Its bottom mandible dropped out from under him, but Rand simply flew up, still pushing, forcing the monster's upper jaw further and further backward. You can't do this! With a shriek of tortured metal, something inside its segmented neck finally gave. Both wings went limp. The fire blazing in its eyes snuffed out. And the last of the Vindicators began to fall along the face of the machine. Rand slipped free and watched it tumble downward, scraping noisily against the wall until the thick gray cloud swallowed it up. For a moment he hovered there, his thoughts churning, roiling almost as much as this weird alien sky. Gammon was still in there, alive. He'd killed dozens, if not hundreds of people, including Jared. Would the machine really be any poorer without him? If not, then why did Rand feel this urgency? Because right now he wasn't Rand. He was Tork. With a groan, Rand threw himself downward, chasing the falling monster. Clouds swirled around him, flashes of white light at the corners of his vision. He ignored them. Below him, the Vindicator was a dark shadow, tumbling through the gray billows. Rand willed on more speed, hurtling after the monster as he had after Ainsley, reaching for it for all he was worth. That was when the sky opened up. Rand gasped as the world expanded impossibly in three directions. The clouds gave way to open sky, with the machine's huge outer wall the only constant. Suddenly, horizons were visible all around him, overwhelmingly far away. For an instant, an awful dizziness nearly dropped him from the sky, but he managed to steady himself. Good thing, too, because for the first time since leaving the machine, he could see the floor, and it was coming up to meet him fast. Except it wasn't floor, it wasn't metal, it was... ground. His mind struggled to process what his eyes were telling him. Grass and trees, like in the uppers, but much, much more so, extended in every direction. What's more, the ground beneath the green wasn't smooth like the gearbox roof. It rolled. Rand had never seen anything like it. 
There were smooth, low bumps in the landscape, gradual slopes that gave way to gradual declines over and over, without any particular pattern or function that he could see. And there were structures, too. Squat houses huddled together in one small area and surrounded by some kind of high, gated wall. But before Rand could ponder any of this further, he reached Wyvern. The monster's eyes stared sightlessly up at him as he landed precariously on its broken neck. The melted hole he'd made in the skull was there, with his pipe still wedged in the six-inch split. Taking hold of both pipe and split, Rand pulled mightily. To his surprise, several rivets popped out and a huge section of the Vindicator's skull tore free, revealing its occupant. Henry Gammon's sweat-soaked face glared up at Rand with terror and seething hatred. He sat in some kind of small chair, his fingers desperately working controls that no longer functioned. Come on, Rand said, reaching for the lud as Wyvern shuddered and groaned, nearing the end of its fall. But the Commandant sneered, his eyes wild with madness. I'd rather die! Then he raised a pistol and fired point-blank into Rand's face. The armor slowed the bullet as it had all the others, but the muzzle flash momentarily blinded Rand, sending him tumbling upward and away into the open sky. It only took a few seconds for his vision to clear, but in those seconds, Wyvern hit the ground at the base of the machine. The broken monster's enormous body hammered deep into the slopey, grassy surface, throwing up a huge plume of debris. Rand gaped in horror before hurtling himself down, momentarily ignoring the strange landscape and its nearby houses. He'd failed again. He landed near the wreckage and peered inside Wyvern's fractured skull. There he found what was left of Henry Gammon. Rand knew he shouldn't feel guilty. He knew that, but he did. With a sigh, he straightened and turned in a slow circle, finally sparing himself a moment to look, really look, at where he was. The everywhere else. Another world. Or rather, the rest of this one. Below a ceiling of churning gray clouds, the rolling ground continued for as far as Rand could see. Now, however, he could discern wide brown strips that meandered through these slopes, Walkways leading from the cluster of houses ahead of him to elsewhere. Just how big was it out here? But of course the mine doors had shown him the answer. Big enough to need 19 other machines and for the nearest of them to be too far away to see. Very big. Yet big as it was, the everywhere else wasn't empty. Rand spotted animals, the likes of which he'd never seen. Atop a nearby slope, a pair of furry long-eared somethings regarded him with bright eyes and twitching whiskers. From the limb of a nearby tree, another something, rat-sized but with a big bushy tail, eyed him with nervous curiosity. And speaking of trees, there were so many of them. Just the ones in sight far outnumbered anything Rand had seen in the uppers. Nor were they vacant. Between the Vindicator's crash and Tork's subsequent arrival, the creatures filling their branches had apparently become alarmed and taken flight on feathered wings. But none were big and metal like Wyvern. These were small and living. Living things that flew. Then came the people. Neither lower folk nor upper folk, they were dark-haired and wore strange clothes. Luds, lasses, and lings. Lots of lings. They emerged through the gate in the wall that surrounded their houses, their manner tentative. Some were armed with iron-tipped spears, though Rand could see no swords or guns. Outer folk. Rand wondered if he just coined a new word. No name would like it. So he watched. As he watched, more and more of the upper folk appeared. A dozen became two dozen, then three, then four, until Rand wondered if the whole population had come out to see the big broken machine and the golden lud standing beside it. They murmured amongst themselves, too far away for Rand to hear what they said. They gawked at him. They pointed. 
Finally, one of the Luds stepped forward. He was older than most, with graying hair and broad shoulders under a simple but well-made shirt. He carried a long pole that sported a wicked-looking hook. The Lud handled it with easy familiarity. The Rand noticed that he didn't brandish it like a weapon. Hello, he said. The old tongue. Rand had never heard it spoken aloud before and wasn't sure how he even recognized it. One of the mind doors, probably. It was funny the things you could get used to in a short period of time. Hi, Rand replied in the same language. The word came easily as if he'd known the tongue his whole life. No, it was more than that. It was like he... like he used to speak it, had forgotten, and it was just now coming back to him. Who are you? the Lud asked. I'm Tork, Rand replied automatically. The Lud's eyes flitted from Rand to the wrecked Vindicator and then up at the vast machine which filled the horizon at Rand's back. No, the Lud replied. That's Torque. Rand glanced over his shoulder at the massive, seemingly endless wall. What? Mount Torque, the Lud replied. Are you the spirit of the Metal Mountain? Rand considered that, then he shrugged. Okay, why not? Have you come to hurt us? No, Rand replied at once. Have you come for your fallen dead? Rand blinked. My what? The ones who fall, the Lud explained. Behind him, his people swapped nervous glances, as if this was somehow a touchy subject. They come down the sides of Mount Tork. We find their bodies wrapped in strange clothing at the base of the mountain, and we bury them and honor them as best we can, though we never know their names. The dead, Rand realized. The upper folks whose bodies were tipped off the top of the machine, and had been for centuries. Rand tried to think of something to say. Couldn't. Blood continued. We meant no offense, but we decided generations ago that we couldn't let their bodies rot on the ground. So we've been laying them to proper rest in cemeteries throughout these hills. How? Rand gasped. How many? Thousands. Many thousands. We've been doing this since before my great-grandfather was born. Rand did his best to ken this. Are you angry with us? The Lud asked. What? No. And he wasn't. If anything, he felt sad. Ainsley's mother had gone this way, so presumably would her father, delivered into the arms of Jai. Rand wasn't sure how he would tell her the truth. No, he said again, I'm not angry. What you've been doing is solid. You should keep doing it. The Lud nodded, looking relieved. For the first time, he smiled. Will you stay with us, Spirit of Torque? Will you eat with us and tell us about life on the mountain? Rand shook his head. I'm sorry. I didn't really mean to come here at all. I just... But how could he even begin to explain it? This monster I fought, I guess I won. Now I have to go back. Will you take the monster with you? Rand gazed up the wall. It looked endless. Two miles to the uppers. I can't. I might be able to lift it, but carrying it back would take too long. I left someone up there, a friend. A friend who could be in trouble. The Lud nodded, as if this made perfect sense. Another spirit needs you, he surmised. Then he gazed past Torque at the Vindicator and licked his lips oddly. So, you'll leave the metal where it is? For the first time, Rand noticed how little metal these outer folk seemed to possess. The walls and the houses were all wooden. Metal was obviously scarce here. They probably thought of the Vindicator as a fallen treasure chest. Sure, he said, nodding to the broken monster. Do what you want with it. The Lud grinned and nodded. Thank you for your gift, Spirit of Torque. No problem, Rand replied. I just wish. But then he spotted something behind the outer folk, and his words died away. 
A sign had been mounted above the gate leading into the walled enclosure. It had been artfully inscribed with one word, presumably the name of the place. Robertstown. Rand stared at it, his mouth went dry. His gaze settled once more on the lud with the hooked pole. For the first time he thought there might be something vaguely familiar about this stranger. Something about the shape of his face and the set of his eyes. What's your name? Rand asked. The lud responded without any hesitation. I'm Roland Roberts, the mayor of this village. Rand could suddenly feel the blood pumping through his veins, hear it rushing behind his ears. Too many questions. No time. Launching skyward in that moment was perhaps the hardest thing Rand had ever done, but he did it. He did it because of Ainsley and Lucy and Jad and Gerard. He did it because he was Torque first and Rand Roberts second. But he'd come back. Someday soon he'd come back here. And he might not come alone. The outer folk watched him fly away. Rand could feel their gazes. Then, just before he reached the cloud lair, he paused in midair. Trophy, he thought. Maybe he'd take some of the Vindicator back with him after all. Gammon is gone, but what about Proctor Baird? Get ready for the conclusion of Torque by Ty Drago. If you just can't stand the wait, the full novel is available in paperback and ebook formats on Amazon.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>